We're going to be in John chapter 19. John 19. We're going to be at the end of this chapter, picking up in verse 38. Now, this is after our Lord died on the cross when he willingly gave up the ghost, yielding it to the Father, having accomplished that work which the Father sent him to do. And now that he's died, this passage shows us that it did not take long at all for fruit, the fruit of our Lord's death, the fruit which he wrought when he died, to be accomplished, to, to begin to be formed in the hearts of his people. He began immediately to produce fruit. Now this account here from verse 38 through 42, it gives us a picture. It's, it's the reality of a thing. It's a, it's, it's, actually, it's a picture of what's happening, but there's a picture in it of this truth that the death of our Savior is what has wrought great mercy and grace for us. It's through his death that God is gracious and merciful to us. All spiritual blessings in heavenly places are given to us, to his people in Christ, for Christ's sake. So after our Lord was dead, there was two disciples, two disciples of Christ who moved very quickly. They moved very quickly to secure the body of Christ from the Romans that they might bury it properly. It's not the things don't happen the way they happen today where there's someone to counsel the family and make arrangements for what's going to happen afterwards. They just did things very efficiently. And since he was crucified as a malefactor, there was no thought or care for the the family or what would happen to his body. And the reason why they had to move so quickly, we're told up in verse 31, John 19, 31, the Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was in high day, and it's a, it was a special Sabbath day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Why is that? Well, because... Their days weren't like our days. Our days start from midnight all the way till 11.59 p.m., right? That's our day. Their day starts the evening before. It would start evening a little bit earlier than than what it is now. So their Sabbath day was beginning soon, and so they had to move very quickly, according to the law, to, 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 to take the body and to prepare it and bury it very quickly. And we're told of two rich men, two rich influential men here that have rare means to do the things that they were able to do for the body of our Lord. Their names are Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. And these two men were secret disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were secret disciples of the Lord until this day. And the scriptures tell us a few things about these men. First, in verse 38, we read of Joseph of Arimathea. It says, after this, Joseph of Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly. 
for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke also record these, some things about Joseph of Arimathea. They include the fact that he was rich. They say he was an honorable man, a good man, a just man. He waited for the kingdom of God. And what that means is he looked for redemption. Just as that prophetess Anna, when Christ was born, she, she spoke of those things concerning Christ to those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. It's, it's, that's what the people of God do. They look for redemption. And we're told that he didn't consent to the crucifying of Christ. And ultimately, he went to Pilate. And Luke tells us he begged the body of Jesus. Mark says he craved the body of Jesus. It was very important for him to get the body of Jesus. Because had he not done that, had he not used his influence and his position of power, and his wealth to get the body, they would have just taken that body down and thrown it in the place where they threw the bodies of the malefactors when they were dead. They just pitched them on the side, and no care was given for them. But sovereign God moved this man, Joseph of Arimathea, to plead for Christ's body. And after a centurion confirmed that he was indeed dead, Pilate gave him permission to take that body. So he went back to where the crucifixion had taken place, and they took that body down, and then it was on him to, to, to handle and to take that body away. Now, the next man, John, John is the only one that tells us something about Nicodemus. And Nicodemus's part was to assist Joseph of, of Arimathea. He came to assist him. And it says in verse 39 and 40, There came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about an hundred pound weight. So these were very costly. These, uh, some of these are called the chief spices. This is very costly. A hundred pound weight was a lot of spices to use on one dead body. It was a a lot of of weight. And so we see they spared no expense and they took then took they the body of Jesus they probably had servants helping them and they wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. And some have suggested these two men were brothers. I don't know. I don't have access to the historical documents to to really know. It's, it's possible. It's possible. They, they obviously were, were doing this together. One going for the body, the other one getting the spices and meeting up there at that time. Now, what's remarkable to me about these two men is that they've been secret disciples up to this point. None of the Jews. These are, these are well-known men who were in the council of the Jews. They were in the Sanhedrin of the Jews. They were wealthy men, powerful, influential men, and no one knows this until now that these men are disciples of Christ. John telling us Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly 
for fear of the Jews. And what stands out to us about Nicodemus? What do we know about Nicodemus? Well, the first time we meet Nicodemus is back in John chapter 3. And why don't you turn to John chapter 3 and put a marker because we'll come back and look at a few verses from that chapter. But in John chapter 3, in verse 1, in the beginning of verse 2, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night. And then the next time we hear of him is in John chapter 7. This is when the Jew, the Jewish council wanted Christ to be arrested, and so they sent some, some of their guards down to arrest him, and they didn't come back with him, of course. They never heard any man speak like they heard the Lord Jesus Christ speak. And the Jews were upset about it, and Nicodemus tried to reason with them, saying, Does our, Lord, does our law, law judge any man before it heareth him? And it says about Nicodemus in verse 50, that he said that, and he and they, and in parentheses there about Nicodemus, it says that he came to Jesus by night, being one of them, one of the Jews. And so we're constantly reminded, as in our text once again, that this man Nicodemus is the guy, and John tells us here, which at the first came to Jesus by night. By night. All three times that he's mentioned, and he's only mentioned by John, all three times that he's mentioned, there's always this epithet, which is attached to his name. It always follows his name, just like Richard the Lionhearted, right? Catherine the Great, Attila the Hun. These are names, these are epithets that are attached to their names. Well, his is Nicodemus, he that came to Jesus by night, all three times. This is the fellow who came to Jesus by night. And as I thought about this, I don't believe it's simply meant to disparage him. I don't think it's meant to, to disparage Nicodemus at all. But rather, when you think about it, it glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. It shows us the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ for his sheep. How patient, how gracious, how tender he is with his flock, with his sheep. He's, he delivers them. He graciously delivers this man out of his darkness, out of the night which he dwelled in by nature. John calls him now, if you notice it, he says he's Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night. But now that's not him. He's here in full view, joining up with Joseph before all the remaining, all and any remaining observers that might have been there at the time. He came to the cross to collect the body of Jesus from the Romans and to bury it properly. And it, it shows. What is, why is this man showing care for this Jesus? He's one of us. What's he doing? This man was crucified as an insurrectionist. Why is he there burying the body of Jesus, you know, and so that epithet it reminds me of uh, William Huntington. He was a, a gospel preacher back many hundreds of years ago, and any any work, any letter he signed, any work he wrote, anything he did, he always signed it William Huntington, S.S. 
meaning sinner saved. He always signed it, sinner saved. And so if you knew William Huntington, you knew this man is a sinner saved. Saved by the grace of God. What do you mean you're a sinner saved? And he could declare to them the grace of God who saved a sinner, a wretched sinner like him. And if you knew Nicodemus, then you knew Christ delivered this man out of darkness. This ruling Jew, Christ, mercifully, graciously delivered this man out of darkness, who was afraid to come into the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But Christ drew him out of that darkness into the light, the light of Christ. And so Nicodemus went away. When he met Christ that first night back there in John 3, he went away from Christ, a disciple. But he was weak. <laughs> he was weak. And he was, he was struggling and, and perplexed and, 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 and thinking about those things which he heard from the Lord. And he continued to stay in darkness for a time. And Joseph, too, he was a disciple of Christ, but secretly for fear of the Jews. What changed? What changed in these two prominent men's lives? What changed that they would suddenly come out of darkness and publicly declare their love, their fellowship with Christ. What changed? It was the death of Christ. They never came out of the darkness until Christ died. And then they came out of darkness into the light. It took the death of Jesus Christ to deliver these men from that darkness that they were bound and kept in, where they feared and trembled and hiding, being afraid of what other people thought, of them, they were trying to save their lives. And we know that's death. As our Lord said, whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. He shall have life. And they couldn't deliver themselves from death. They wouldn't give up their life to save it. They, they didn't know how. They didn't understand. They didn't know what to do. They were afraid, and they lived in fear and in trembling and, and, and lived according to the law, trying to save themselves, and they couldn't do it. And that's true of every one of God's children. None of us can deliver ourselves. None of us can save ourselves. It, and, and the only way that we come out of darkness, the only way that we're delivered from the bondage of sin and death in Adam is by the grace of God who gives his people the power to become sons of God. That's how we come out. Just like our Lord said that, uh, what do you say there in, in chapter 1? John, John 1 verse 12 there. It says, but as many as received him, because no one did, <laughs> but as many as received him, how did they receive him? Well, it's because to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Who, who are the sons of God? Those that believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God gave them that power. God gives that faith to whom he will to deliver them out of darkness, to deliver them out of the bondage of sin. Verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the, man, will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so... It's a work of God that does this. And the death of Christ 
is what delivered them out of that darkness. It was through that death, and, and it was through that, that picture. And, and that's what the gospel declares. The gospel that we preach declares Christ crucified. Through the death of Christ, we are delivered. We're brought out of death. We're brought into the light of God to know our God and our Savior. He delivers us from spiritual death and darkness. When we speak of his death here, just so you know, I'm, I'm talking about his death, burial, and resurrection according to the scriptures. He had to die. He had to be buried. He had to rise again according to the scriptures because of our sins, according to the scriptures. We're all polluted from head to toe, ruined in Adam. Christ had to die. Christ had to deliver us. We're not, we're not saved unless we're saved by the redeeming blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, God sovereignly chose these men. He gave them everything that they had. He gave them their wealth. He gave them their, their influence. He gave them their position. He gave them their power. And he's the one that stirred their hearts as they saw and heard of the miracles that this Jesus of Nazareth did. And they heard him speak with those words that no man ever spoke. And they were astonished at his doctrine. And they heard and beheld the gracious words which he spoke. And he stirred their heart. He moved their heart. He delivered them out of the hardness of this, this natural flesh that we all have. And just as he did it for these men, that's what he does for us. That's what he does for every one of us. And we're humble because we see, you know, I'm a lot like Nicodemus. I'm a lot like Nicodemus. I hide in the shadows and in darkness and, 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 and all my life I lived trying to hide and, and, and keep down that faith and hope I had in the Lord Jesus Christ until he delivered me out of darkness, until he made me unashamed, unafraid to, to be identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what he does for his people. And that first time back in John chapter 3, in verse 2 there, that first nighttime meeting, Nicodemus said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And our Lord said to him, the first words he said to Nicodemus here is, Verily, verily, verse 3, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I think he was saying those words in a very gracious manner. He's saying, Nicodemus, if you know that I'm from God, if you see these miracles and you know that these are of the Father that sent me, that these are his works that I've come to do and I'm doing them before you, you can't know that except you're born of God, except you've been born again, Nicodemus. Now, there's a lot of ignorance in Nicodemus. There's a lot of darkness in Nicodemus. And Christ continues to reveal the truth of his salvation more and more and more to Nicodemus. And so that's what he did. He preached more and more to him exactly what our God does for all his sheep by grace. And you think of it, the Lord brings his sheep to a place where they hear the gospel. This is, I, I, I know you, this is not the first time or first place where you've heard the gospel, and yet 
the Lord has been pleased where you were to gather you here to hear it, to continue to hear it, and to firmly establish you in the gospel, to grow you in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's given you that graciously. He didn't leave you. He didn't, he didn't abandon you. He brought the gospel to you. And he continues to feed you to the go- with the gospel week after week. And so he brings his sheep to a place where they hear the gospel, where the bread and the wine of Christ is brought forth to the hungry and the thirsty, to the needy and the poor, to the trembling and those that are afraid. And they, the, the bread and wine is brought that you might eat the flesh and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. All who eat this bread and drink this wine, they're weary, weak, sinners, sinful prisoners of darkness, afraid to own him in the light, and yet God says to his servants, don't you hold back that, that the most precious thing. You bring to them who have nothing, who can do nothing for me, nothing for themselves, who have nothing to give, you give them the very best. You hold nothing back. You bring to them the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't beat them with the law. They're fearful and they're afraid. Don't beat them with the law. They've lived in darkness. Be kind and be gracious, even as the Lord has been kind and gracious to you. Be merciful. Declare to them the salvation, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Shine forth that light of Christ to them, and he's the one that draws his people out of darkness by his power. By his power. And it's a, it's a comfort to see just how long it took for Nicodemus, who came to him here and remained in darkness all the way until his death. And sometimes it takes a long time. But trust the Lord. You you continue to preach the gospel, continue to share the gospel, continue to declare what Christ has done for you in grace and in mercy, and the Lord will will take that bread and wine and nourish his sheep with it, and they'll be stirred with it. And and in time, in, in the day of his grace, they'll come out of their darkness. And so our Lord declared our need for God's grace. He didn't turn Nicodemus away but rather he expounded unto him the gift of God, how that God gives life to sinners like Nicodemus, like you and me. And he said in verse verse 7, then he told Nicodemus, at the very end of it, he said, ye must be born again. And when he said that, he's saying to all his people, he's telling us, "You've, you've got to be born again. You can't come to God. You don't know these things without the Spirit of God. We don't know how to worship God. We don't, our, our works are, are sinful works. They're works of darkness when we try to come to God in our good works, by ceremony, by form, by religion, by doing this and not doing that. Those works are wicked works. Those works of righteousness that men do are wicked works because they're not done in faith in and by the Lord Jesus Christ. We need a new birth, a heavenly birth, and only God gives that birth. Only God can give us uh, that, that heavenly birth, and he gives it to whom he will. And so you look at Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was a learned man. He was a teacher in Israel. He knew 
the, the, the scriptures. And yet he didn't know these things. He knew the form and the religion. He knew the ceremonies. He knew the sacrifices. But he didn't know Christ until God revealed it to him. And that says a lot to us. It says a lot to me and it says a lot to us that it's not being in the Christian religion. It's not knowing the hymns. It's not knowing scriptures. It's knowing Christ. And we can do a lot of good things that the Lord uses he uses means. And we can come and hear the gospel. And we should. We ought to. We ought to pray. We ought to read. We ought to come and hear the gospel. But we need God to bless it to our hearts. Because Nicodemus was steeped in it as well. And didn't know it until God blessed it to him. Until God gave him a, a new birth by the Spirit. And so the Lord preached regeneration. The regeneration of sinners by the Holy Spirit. Verse 5 and 6. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Right? Our birth in Adam, we don't know God. We, we are bound in darkness, bound in sin, imprisoned, kept up, shut up from, the, from God and from the truth and from the light. We don't know until we're born of the Spirit. And so when our Lord came and He gave His life for His people and He died and was buried and rose again, he went to the Father, and the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit to seek out the lost sheep of, of Christ and to turn them, to, to remove that veil that's on the heart and to turn us to behold our Lord, to behold the face of our God in the face of Jesus Christ, to behold Him, to see Him, to worship Him, to cry out to Him and to believe on Him as He works that faith, because He works faith in us. And so it's Christ that sanctifies us, giving us his spirit, regenerating us from death, making us alive unto him through that new birth, born of the seed of Christ. And now we understand the things of God and believe his son. And Christ preached then redemption. He, he then preached the, the, the need for our redemption, that the way where our sins are put away are by the death of of Christ. Look at, at John uh, 3, 15 and 16. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Christ had to die for his people. Sin must be punished. And so God sent His Son as the Lamb of God to bear the sins of His people that He might justly punish that sin, that He might be justly gracious to His people. Without that death, we have no life. Without the death of Christ, we do not have the forgiveness of sins. Without the death of Christ, we don't have fellowship with the true and living God. We just continue in darkness. Romans 5, 8 and 9 says, God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, yet in darkness, yet unknowing of the true and living God, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, 
we shall be saved from wrath through him. And so God is just to forgive us our sins because he justly punished Christ by making him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That God might be just in justifying us. And he did all of that that work. He justly punished his son and justly forgives us who believe his son. And whatever took place there was exactly what needed to take place that God might be just and perfect and holy and righteous in all that he does. And so we may rest in Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. And every one of his people rejoice in that very truth. And then Christ preached to Nicodemus the blessings of God in Christ. Look at verse 19. 19 and 20 there. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. And so... That, that's why men remain in darkness. That's why men remain in hidden as, as, uh, from, from coming to Christ because they love their wicked deeds. They love their wicked deeds and they remain there if left to themselves, if left to their choice, if left to, to do their work to please God. We can't change ourselves. We can't do it. We must be born again. Now Nicodemus had to have thought on those words. He had to have thought on those words that Christ said. It was up through verse 21 that Christ was speaking to Nicodemus. And that had he had to rethink about that a long time as he was, was remaining in among the, the Jewish leadership there. And it probably stung. It probably stung as he remained hidden, a hidden disciple of Christ. And yet, God would be gracious to him. Yet God was very gracious to him and drew him more and more to himself. And so here's the effect of God's blessing him for Christ's sake. In verse 21, John 3, 21. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. You know, how often in our lives can we look back and say, I, I hid there in that moment. I could have said something, I should have said something, and I said nothing, I did nothing, and I remained hidden in the darkness. Just like Nicodemus. You know, a lot of times we want to be harsh and critical and judgmental of Nicodemus, but in reality we're being harsh and judgmental and critical of ourselves. And the Lord's showing us that that's how we all are. We're all... In hiding, we all lurk about in the darkness until God is gracious and draws us into that light. And it takes the death of Christ. And and when we behold His death for us, and we die to self and the flesh, then we come to the light. Then we come to the body of Christ, are drawn to that body of Christ to worship our God, to fellowship with the saints of God, just like what we see as a little microcosm there between. Him and, and Joseph of Arimathea, they, they were drawn to the body as the body of Christ and met in fellowship over that body of Christ who loved them and gave himself 
for them. And Christ, I, I, I was thinking of Isaiah 49, verse 9 and 10, where Christ says to the prisoners, Go forth, to them that are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed in the ways, and their pastors shall be in all high places, safely out in the open. They don't care who sees them. <laughs> They're safe in Christ. They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them. That's because we can, in Christ, we can stand before the throne of holy God who sees all things and not be destroyed or burned up. We're covered with the righteousness of Christ. We could stand before the burning, glorious righteousness of God as if we were right on the surface of the sun and be safe and protected by the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how precious, how sufficient, how complete you are, how full your salvation is in the, Lord's, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and he says, For he that hath mercy on them shall lead them, even by the springs of water shall he guide them. You won't feel the heat of God's wrath because you'll be drinking of those cool, refreshing waters that flow up from the belly, the Spirit of God which has regenerated you and given you life evermore in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see here the gracious work that God did for these two men after Christ's death. And then fruit was manifest in them publicly, showing that he was their hope. He was the hope of their righteousness. They believed that he was the Christ, the Son of the living living God, whom they slew and hung on a tree. But it was necessary. His death was necessary for their salvation, just as it's necessary for our salvation, all that believe on Christ. Our Lord had said previous to this in John 12, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. I have little seed packets for the garden, and those seeds sit there in those packets alone. They're not dead. They're just sitting there alone. They don't do anything. They don't produce any plant and no fruit on it until they fall into the ground and die. But it, that's what he says. But if it die, if it go to the ground and, and is buried, it bringeth forth much fruit. Much fruit. And that's what we're to understand about the death of Christ. And this little picture here is that his death brought an abundance of fruit in all his people. Without that death, we cannot be saved. Because there's no commandment that God had given us that, but whereby we could be saved. There's just no commandment. That's how ruined, how sinful, how dark, how dead we are in trespasses and sins in Adam. And so Christ died, he was buried, and raised again. And we'll close with John 19, verse 41 and 42. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. This is probably about 100, maybe 130 feet away from where he was crucified, they think. There was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day. It was basically evening, and they had to, had to get it done. But the sepulcher was nigh at hand. And this is the grave where our Lord was laying and where he rose 
from. And that's when he accomplished our redemption in his death, burial, and resurrection. We thank God for that, and we bless him because we're no better than Joseph, and we're no better than Nicodemus. We might be, think we're rich in ourselves, but we're poor men who need the grace of God and the riches he gives us in Christ. Amen.